Welcome to episode 138 of the Jackson Hole Connection, recording right here in beautiful Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Support for this episode is Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling, reminding you to reduce, reuse, recycle, and compost. Avoid those single-use products whenever possible, and remember to bring your reusable bags while shopping. Additional support for this episode comes from Kilter Physical Therapy, and Sports Performance Center. Each physical therapy session at Kilter is one-on-one with a licensed physical therapist. Every treatment session will allow ample time for individual evaluation, manual treatment, modalities, and appropriate exercise prescription for your personal needs. Kilter Physical Therapy, where function follows form. More information can be found at kilterpt.com. That is K-I-L-T-E-R-P-T.com. Welcome to the Jackson Hole Connection. I'm Stephen Clark Abrams, your host. Thank you everybody for tuning in this week, all of the old listeners and those new listeners. My mission here is to bring you fascinating stories of people who have a connection to Jackson Hole. The people sharing their stories are the same people we see every day, drinking coffee at our favorite coffee shop or just walking down the street. I feel that we all really do have a story to share and I wanna bring you stories which you will connect with and add good energy to your day. I feel that sharing stories allows us all to learn and grow so we may all live full lives. My guest today is Erica Old. Erica is a leader in the film industry She started the Erica Film Foundation and has recently created and launched oldandnew.com. That's spelled O-L-D-E and new.com. Today, Erica will inspire and tantalize you with her vision of food via oldandnew.com. When I think of comfort foods, my mind jumps to meatloaf, fried chicken, mashed potatoes, green bean casserole, carrot cake, chocolate cake. Oh my goodness, but wow not so healthy. Erica with Old and New has a new approach to those fabulous comfort foods. Erica is applying her award-winning experience in the film industry to your taste buds and your health. Being a food lover myself, I'm excited that Erica is sharing her passion for food and entertainment in a platform which everyone can relate to. Because face it, we all have to eat. Have a blast learning from Erica today. I guarantee you, she's going to inspire you and excite you to get right into the kitchen. Erica, thank you for joining me here at the Jackson Hole Connection today. Very nice to meet you and to see you virtually. Nice to meet you too. Thanks for having me. Indeed. I I love starting off the episodes for everyone who's listening in to have an idea of who you are and what your connection to this beautiful place that we like to call home, Jackson Hole. So how did you land here and um, what's your connection to Jackson Hole? I came out here uh, quite a few years ago with um, some friends and I just, I think like a lot of people fell in love with it and I didn't want to leave. And I would come back every winter and summer and stay for a bit. And, you know, every time I would leave, I just didn't want to leave more and more. (laughs) And so I decided eventually to make the jump and live here. And I've loved it ever since and have absolutely no regrets. Well, welcome. Glad that you, and how many years have you now said that Jackson Hole is your home? Just a year. I cool. think I beat all the COVID, the COVID crowd by like 
probably three or four months, I'd say. Okay. <laughs> Good work. Cause yeah. <laughs> we have added many layers to our community yeah. <laughs> since uh, the COVID hit for sure. Uh-huh. Um, and when you were leaving here um, and you felt like you always wanted to come back, what are some characteristics about this area that always drew you back? Well, I'm somebody that I think I get a lot of what I refer to as soul power from the mountains whatever it is that's on my mind, if there's something crowding my mind, if there's something bothering me, the second I look up and I see the mountains, it's sort of this, you know, nature's way of dead stopping me in my tracks and getting me to, to wake up or snap out of it. And, you know, that's probably a huge part of being here for me is it's very grounding for me on a spiritual level, but also it's this really great mix of like small town ski town, but then we're surrounded by national park. And I I don't know of a single other place in the world that is exactly like this. And so, you know, I think that was a perfect mix for me, you know, that has everything that you would want to have. We have quite a bit of resources for being a a small town and being remote where we are as well. Mm -hmm. Definitely. We're we're lucky. Oh, absolutely. And recently you have gotten into launching a new website Mm -hmm. and we were talking about in the pre-show and, and I'm very interested for you to share with everybody what you are doing now and and how you uh, found your direction to what you're doing now. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, I launched a a recipe website recently called um, Old and New. And I've worked in film production for quite a while. And I was always interested in video production of all kinds, you know, worked on music videos, short films, documentaries, feature films. And I was able to gain a lot of uh, production experience doing that. And, you know, one day I decided that I wanted to not totally get away from film, but do my own project as well as everything else that I'm doing. And I'm obsessed with food. (laughs) So I wanted to come up with a website where it was comfort food based, but it's comfort food sort of new ways. So new ways being either a healthy version of it, or just a more epic version of a traditional recipe. And we make videos of every recipe, you know, great quality photography and every recipe has dietary adjustments at the bottom that tell you how to adjust the recipe to fit. If you want to be lower sugar, if you want it to be lower fat, if you want it to be keto, you know, and, and I never have seen a food website quite like that. And it was frustrating for me because I have done a lot of dieting in my life so far. And I would have to take a recipe, then go and find like a random blog someplace that had an alternative way of making the recipe, read through the whole thing. And it just wasn't user-friendly. And so the hope is that this website 
is user-friendly for everybody that's doing all different kinds of diets. So it, uh, but it keeps that comfort food, which is really what we all want to eat. Right. <laughs> mm -hmm. Could you define what is comfort food? Cause I'm sure it means something different to us all. So I'm curious, what are you shooting for? How is that defined in your world? So comfort food on a food level, I, I think it has a different definition than comfort food on a bigger picture level. So, you know, comfort food, bigger picture is any food that is very nostalgic to me, foods that are served at events, holidays, foods that bring good memories is really kind of the, the key when, when I look at what is considered comfort food. And then on a food level, it's usually food that is either high in fat, sugar, carbs, or all three, um, <laughs> and tend to be uh, heavier on the spectrum of, of what a meal would consist of. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I was, I'm from Louisiana and mm -hmm. Mississippi, and I have some of my mom's old cookbooks. And every now and then I get a hankering yeah. to make something and I'll pull out some of those cookbooks and you're reading yeah. some recipes and you see shortening. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, and, and I remember so in high school, I worked for a caterer and I remember making cookies. And, and I think initially, I think we would pull out that can of Crisco. Oh yeah. <laughs> and lard, lots of lard. Mm -hmm. I use bacon a lot in what I refer to as my high test recipes. I've been known to use bacon in lower test recipes too. <laughs> I think bacon's bacon. heaven. I don't think you can go wrong with bacon. <laughs> no. If you can't exactly. get it to taste right, just put bacon in it. Totally. <laughs> no matter totally what it is. Yeah. I, I made a peanut butter pie the other day and I thought, gosh, this would be so good with some bacon on it. <laughs> I'm there. You call yeah. me. I'm coming over. <laughs> if I could drink milk, I'd bring a gallon of milk, but I, right? can't, I can't drink milk. <laughs> no, I, I'm with you. <laughs> well, so can we talk about maybe some particular recipes and, and would they people find some of them on your website? Yeah. Because you mentioned, you mentioned holidays. For mm -hmm. example, the ever famous green bean casserole. Oh yeah. So that will be out in November. We're going to release that in November. Cool. Um, but we have all kinds of stuff on there. So, you know, I mean, and it's some, some things people will have heard of and are more familiar. Other things people are less familiar. Like I grew up eating ham salad. Most people have no idea what ham salad is. And at first, at first glance, it's kind of disgusting, but it's, it's really great, especially if you put it on a biscuit, which mm -hmm. I personally like to do. <laughs> but um, we came out um, in January with things like bison chili. So I'm a huge game meat fan, which living here for that is heaven. So, you know, having access to bison and elk as much as we do here is, is no better dream for me. We have things like cinnamon roll biscuits. So, you know, Ooh. you want to make cinnamon rolls, but you don't want to sit there and go through the whole rise process. So these are 
a lot quicker. And then we have, you know, healthier things like um, a protein powder based mug cake. Mm -hmm. So if you want to have chocolate cake, but you don't want the flour and the sugar, this is a whey protein powder based mug cake. And it comes out looking and tasting very similar. Um, I'm not going to like tell you that it's going to taste exactly like (laughs) chocolate mug cake, but, but you can totally kid yourself that it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we hit the spectrum of like healthy comfort food and more traditional comfort food, but the traditional recipes have a spin. Okay. Um, we came out this month with the coconut banana cream pie combo. So you don't have to choose which one. <laughs> mm-hmm. I I'm a big, I grew up on those eating those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was a funny story when I was a kid my grandparents had a housekeeper and her name, her name was Gussie and she could make some delicious fried chicken. And I I was probably seven years old and we're traveling with my grandparents. I was traveling with them someplace and we stopped and there was this restaurant was with my aunt and uncle and it said world's best fried chicken. And I go Mm -hmm. in there (laughs) and we have the fried chicken and they say, well, how is it? And my seven-year-old mouth said, well, it's not as good as Gussie's. <laughs> well, see, that's the thing is, is there's such strong memories associated with these foods, but you can't eat them every day. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a commercial deep fryer in my backyard, but if yes. I use that every day, <laughs> I'd be 300 pounds. <laughs> um, and actually we're, we're working on... I write the recipes, but I have somebody that helps me test them. Mm -hmm. So the testing chef and I were working on testing uh, air fried chicken recipe in different air fryers. So we're going to be starting that pretty soon. And we're doing a regular, you know, panko breadcrumb air fryer. And then we're also going to do a keto air fried chicken with them. I'm thinking that you know, pork rind crumbs are the way to go for the crispiness for a keto fried chicken, but it remains to be seen. (laughs) When, when that works out, (laughs) please send me an email. Oh yeah. I can destroy a bag of chicharrones or pork. Right. (laughs) Well, and they're, they're, they're carb free and they are so crunchy. And so we're totally figuring out an air fried keto Mm -hmm. chicken recipe. So, oh, I would be all over that. <laughs> you know, it's, I'll just be walking or driving or I'll be in the shower. And I guess I just, I'll have random thoughts about different food that I want to just destroy. Mm-hmm. And then I have this moment of like, okay, how do I make it healthier? Or, okay, how do I just make it like a million times more insane? And we just always kind of go in whatever direction sounds better. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> like a bread pudding, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> the butter and condensed milk. Oh yeah. That goes, what's the sweet one? Is it condensed or the confection confectioner's milk? Uh, it's sweetened condensed milk, sweetened condensed milk. The mm-hmm. amount of that that goes into a great bread pudding. Oh my gosh. The eggs, the butter. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, and the thing is too, pe- people don't, I think can sweeten condensed milk is an underused um, ingredient. If you ask me, I okay. use sweetened condensed milk in pretty much all of my ice cream bases. 
And, and that just makes it 10 times better. I use it in pie. I, I just use it like it's going out of style. <laughs> it's, it's great. I once had a bread pudding made from donuts. It was a donut bread pudding. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. I, I have a, um, we're coming out with it in the next few months, but I have a, bread pudding that I make that's out of, um, blueberry muffins. Mm. Cause you know, like you go to Costco or someplace and you get those massive containers of muffins and you're like, this is a muffin for four people. Mm-hmm. And, but you got to buy a minimum. And so what do you do with the other muffins? And so we're, we did this blueberry, um, bread pudding out of the, out of the muffins. So I'm gonna have to look that one up. Yeah. It's not out yet. It'll be out soon. Okay. But um, there's so much, you know, there's so much creativity, I think, born out of necessity or saving, mm-hmm. you know, for me, the, the health food creativity side of it was because I wanted to lose some weight at one point, but I didn't want to give up what I was eating. And so when you're backed into that kind of a corner, it's amazing how, how much you can come up with different stuff. Um, some of it works. Some of it is atrocious, <laughs> but that's, that's how you learn. And then the other side of it is, you know, I have six massive blueberry muffins left. What am I going to do with it? Mm-hmm. You know? So, so it's the process is fun that way coming up with different things. I, I, I love the creativity and thinking out of the box for, for food. I, oh, I so really do I, it. so do I. Erica, we're going to have a quick break from to have a word from one of our sponsors, and then we're going to be right back. Teton County Solid Waste and Recycling wants to remind you to bring your reusable bags with you when you go shopping for groceries or your favorites around town. Reusable bags are good for the environment and your wallet. Remember to wash those bags frequently, and when you have a chance, bag your own items. We've already helped remove millions of single-use plastic bags from the waste stream. Now, let's reduce the amount of paper bags purchased. Food waste composting, in addition to yard waste composting, is available at the Trash Transfer Station facilities. Call 307-733-7678 for up-to-date hours of operation. Erica, welcome back. I am so enjoying talking about food food with you. Um, Me too. <laughs> this is this is awesome. For people that want to access your site, is it a is it free? Is it a paid subscription? How how does this website work? It's free. Oh, right on. Oh no, I would I would not stand in the way <laughs> between anybody and any of my recipes. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, it's, um, old and new.com. So www.oldeandnew.com mm-hmm. and the recipes are on the website and we come out with new recipes, uh, every month, uh, all throughout the month. And we're also on social media with the same handle. Um, we're on TikTok, YouTube, um, Instagram. So the videos are there. The photos are there. We're, we're around. And where would you like to see, what's your vision with the impact you want to make with this, with this website? You know, I, it's funny. I I came from a place where I was working on, you know, other people's uh, creative ideas, you know, 
working on um, other people's scripts, stories, and I was able to, you know, focus on mine the past couple of years. And that's been really refreshing and fun for me. And I have such a, well, I'm going to say I have such a passion for food, but the reality is, is I'm completely obsessed with it. Um, (laughs) I have such an obsession for it that I'm so hyper-focused always on developing recipes that I probably should put more thought into what I want to do with it. But, you know, the goal, I think, with anybody is to be the best at what you do, right? So if I could sort of claim the the future comfort food badge, I, I out of any other well-known chef or cook, I call myself a cook because I'm not trained, but you know, if I could claim that and hold the the number one title, I I'd be pretty happy with that. I can go print a certificate for you. <laughs> I was, I watch, you know, I watch food network a lot and I watch different chefs and I mean, that's how you get inspired, right. Is, is mm-hmm. watching different people, reading different things. And I collect uh, vintage cookbooks as well and go through them and see how things have changed over time. And I'm a true believer that if you want to be the best at what you do, you have to immerse yourself into it. So I think my immediate goal is to immerse myself into it further. But I think, you know, when it comes to Jackson, just to have the community support with the site is is a great goal. And, and to, you know, get to know everybody else in this town that's equally as obsessed <laughs> with food as I am is also a really great goal. There's certainly a good following of food. There's Mm -hmm. a balance between some people saying, wow, there's wonderful restaurants to eat in Jackson, but it doesn't compare to New York. It doesn't compare to Chicago. Well, of course not. We're not New York and Chicago. We're Jackson. Right. But for the size of town that we are and the breadth of food that we have available to eat, I think we're doing pretty good. Oh, I I think that we do wonderful here. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a, it's a case of, you know, I've never seen so many great restaurants in such a small space. I would just live at all of them if I, if I could. (laughs) Yes. There's a lot more restaurants now than there used to be. Yeah. Um, One of my former business partners, he started a pizza place in 1974, where Chinatown is now, I believe. Oh, okay. And it was called Happy Joe's Pizza and Ice Cream. Happy Joe's Pizza and Ice Cream? Mm-hmm. That's funny. And they were one of the only places open on Sundays. And off-season was crickets around, around this town back then. And that's how they yeah. met a lot of their friends is because they were always working on Sundays. Mm-hmm. And after church, people would bring their families to go to Happy Joe's and all you talk to some people who grew up during that era. Yeah. And they remember having their birthday parties at Happy Joe's Pizza. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no, I I grew up in a small town, so I'm all about all about those kind of memories too. And it's such a I mean, when you're when you live in a place such as Jackson, everything is, you know, when things close, like you know, Rendezvous Bistro is obviously closing. And that's such a bigger impact, I think, especially to me than it would be to like 
I think if, if I lived in, you know, Manhattan or someplace like that, you know, cause there's, there's, you know, all everybody here, you know, and you eventually get to know everybody here and that's why we're here. Right. Cause yeah. it's such a, it's such a great place to live and it's not that impersonal cold, you know, sort of random place. Mm-hmm. It's a very tight knit community. And, and, and if someone comes here and they don't embrace that, I think that's a mistake. Well, thank you for saying that. I, I appreciate that. Um, and, and I agree. If you don't embrace the community that we have and you're in it on your own in, in my world. Oh yeah. And, and you have to, I, I, you know, at least what I was taught growing up, I grew up in a place where there was like 60,000 people. So here it's even smaller, but you know, everybody knows each other. And, you know, I think it, it's always good to come to a place and choose to respect what's there and not come in willing or wanting to change anything, but to add to it. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, I think the right attitude to have. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Especially with food, you know, and, and restaurants is you're supporting people and food is one of those things sort of like film. It's a combat, it's taking an art form, but making it into a, a business. And that is a really fine tightrope <laughs> to, to walk, <laughs> which, which is not always the easiest thing. Well, I think anytime you can, you talk about business, business is not easy. Mm-mm. It's, it's tough. I mean, some people make it look easy or oh, yeah. the optics that you have from the outside in might, mm-hmm. you might think that it's easy. It's mm-hmm. like the overnight success that only took 20 years. I mean, look at Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Amazon just sold books. <laughs> totally. Totally. When they first started. Oh yeah. Now they're taking over the world. <laughs> and you know, transitioning a little bit, you mentioned before you were in, in production in the world mm-hmm. of film. Yes. And, and you said that you have a nonprofit in mm-hmm. the, in that industry. Can yes. you tell me about your nonprofit that you have in, mm-hmm. in the world of film? Yeah. Um, so I still have a film production company and, and we still um, actively work on projects and I can't say too much about them, but we'll have some coming out later this year. Um, as well. And uh, I also, I have a foundation and we have a program with a nonprofit film school called the Ghetto Film School. And it runs in the Bronx and uh, East Los Angeles and actually recently has started operating in London. And we have a, a program with them called Iris In, And we take students that have gone through their education program and they learn the art and the craft of filmmaking. And when they come into our program, we teach them the business aspect. So they go through every every week the process of making a film from development and finding content all the way to print and advertising and distribution of film. And they meet with different professionals in different capacities in the industry along the way. And they get to build active relationships with current people in the business. They get to hear them talk about the skill set that you need to 
you know, get a film from script to screen and then from screen to theater. And they get to ask any questions that they want and they get to learn the actual business side of film and not just the art appreciation side, not just the technical side. And then when they're through our program, we place them in summer internships with various companies around based on what they tell us they want to do. And after that, they are eligible for a filmmaker's grant to make their own film. So the, the goal of the program was really to provide like specific stepping stones to get them from student level to actually being in the business and an active working contributing person. Wonderful to, to hear that you're contributing back. You're giving back to that industry and wanting to see people grow and, and prosper. It's important. Um, you know, I think, especially in film, everybody has, you're, you're, ta- you're told everybody has a shelf life right? Especially Hmm. actors, they have a much shorter shelf life than executives such as myself or, you know, somebody behind the scenes. But, you know, it's funny because when you, when you watch, you know, the Academy Awards or the Golden Globes or anything like that, and you see somebody get up there and accept their award, you're kind of told that winning an Oscar is like the Mecca of, you know, film. And and that's kind of the highest that you're going to go aside from, you know, like being Meryl Streep and winning like more of them than anybody else in history. (laughs) But, um, you know, after you, you win an Oscar, you tend to see people's careers pivot one of two ways. They either are very happy where they are and they're, they're just grateful to be there and grateful to be, to have their content appreciated to that degree or they kind of spiral and they feel more of a pressure to, to make something even better. And that pressure, I don't think oftentimes is helpful because I think a lot of times you can have something worse on the other side. You know, you're only as good in this business as your latest hit, you know, and sometimes you're going to have hits and sometimes you're going to have flops and there's no particular order that they go in. But, you know, for me, my opinion of leaving a legacy has, has not just been putting yourself in a book of, you know, producers or having an IMDB page as long as your living room floor or things like that. It's, it's what comes after you that's equally as important as what you're doing. And so, you know, if you can pass this information on to people who are inevitably going to come after you when your shelf life is up, then you're still contributing to the industry even after you're no longer personally active. So you've created something that lives beyond you. And when you think about it, every film lives beyond you. Uh, You know, I'll be... I'll be dead and, you know, home again, will still be probably playing on E, you know, it's, it's going to outlive me just like everything else. (laughs) And so, you know, to have these kids, you know, learn from you and then teach people after them and have their own 
group of people that they went through the program with and then them help each other down the road, there, there's no better legacy, I think, than that. Thank you for, for sharing those thoughts. I, I love it. And thank you. I, I just, it just warms me so much to hear you yeah. saying that. Thank you. Um, because as you were saying it, I was thinking, gosh, just think if, if two people or five people or mm-hmm. 10 people change their or improve the, the way they think about what actions they take in life, mm-hmm. that it's not about how I can be recognized right now, but it's more about the impact I can leave for others when I am gone. Mm-hmm. And in the improvements we can make in society and the world with, with that perspective, like how can I help somebody else? And, mm-hmm. and the lives that you will touch will just exponentialize. Well, that's what I think, you know, and I, I so appreciate you saying that, you know, I think we have a tendency to think, you know, this is what I do for a career. And if I just get to a management position, if I just get to a CEO position, then I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. But then every time you hit your mile marker, then you come up with something else that if I just did this, I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. And I think it's far later down the road in a lot of people's careers where they realize that, you know, really helping others is the epitome of that self-actualization part of the job, you know? And, and if, I think if you can get there sooner then you're going to be a lot happier and a lot more satisfied with where you're at down the road. And it's, it's really the people in any business, any industry, any interaction that is the most vital aspect of it. And if you're not understanding people, if you're not respecting those that came before you and paving the way for those after you, you're really not contributing, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I'm going to steal a quote from somebody I was talking to a few months ago, Timo from Zingerman's, and he might have pulled this from Ari, but mm-hmm. it was the greatest form of learning is teaching. Yes. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with that. At what point in your career or in your life, your life and career, do you feel that you came to the realization that you wanted to be a contributor for the next generation. So it's not about what, like you said, about having the title of CEO, but it's how you can make an impact on other people's lives to help bring them, bring them up. I would say it was probably two years into working in feature film production. Um, I had made a few films at that point and you know, there, there's obviously a very public gender equality issue in the film business. Mm. And, you know, that has been very cyclical for decades, you know, and I, I was talking to somebody I worked with at the time. And I just said, you know, I just don't understand why this can't, like, why this just cannot be fixed. Like why we still have gender inclusion problems, why we still have minority inclusion problems. I don't get it. It seems pretty easily solvable to me. It's just a matter of getting everybody on the same page and making sure that like 75% of everybody takes action. 
action, you know, and gosh, everybody knows everyone in this industry. You can't sit here and tell me it's that hard, you know, and I apologize in advance if I'm throwing anybody under the bus, but I've never been fearful of giving my opinion, (laughs) but you know, it's, you, you see people and, you know, it's very easy that when the issue comes to, you know, public rise, which it ebbs and flows throughout every decade, it's real easy for a bunch of executives to get together in a room, take a nice professional photo, slap it on an industry specific magazine and say, we're here for you. But what do you do after that? That many people in a room, you know, the intention is wonderful, but it takes so much actual, like active steps on the back end that frankly, people just don't have time for. And it's not their fault. And I'm not saying that there's not the good intention there, but it's, it's really, really, really difficult to move the needle unless you are chipping away at it constantly every day. And so you know, for me, it was, okay, what happens in film school? Well, you know, 90% of the people that I've spoken to that have been to film school, which is not me, I've been to business school, but those who went to film school, they'll be the first to tell you, we don't really learn much about how the business actually works and operates. We learn about film appreciation. We learn about film technicalities and we learn about, you know, like actually how to make the film, but we don't learn about the business, which drives the people getting together and making the film and getting the finished product out there and getting, you know, investors for your film, you know, how to make a budget, all these sort of minuscule things that make a huge difference along the way. And then you have an issue with people having contacts in the business, because as with every business, it's getting your foot in the door is a matter of who you know. And then when you're in there, you know, knowing people and being able to say, oh yeah, I went to Chapman with that person. Oh yeah, I went to UCLA with that person. Oh yeah, I made this movie with this person. And so when Iris In as a program was being developed, it was very important to me that we covered all those bases. So yes, to start, you have to have knowledge of film. You have to appreciate it. You have to know the roles. Now we're going to teach you about the business. Now we're going to get you internships. So you can look back and say, oh yeah, I did a summer internship with that person. Oh yeah, I was in the Irison program with this person. And so it's really about creating that same landscape for people that can't otherwise create it themselves. And, and so it just didn't make sense to me that, why, why there wasn't a program like that out there. Have other programs been created since you've started this one? Um, yes, there's starting to be uh, programs that come out. Um, Toronto International Film Festival has a women's screenwriting program. Meryl Streep recently has a women's screenwriting program. Um, so people are starting to come up with programs that actively teach people how to hone their craft or be in the business or contribute actively. And then we came out with a couple of years ago now, um, the filmmakers grant, because we also had a thought of, well, if we're green lighting other people's projects, why wouldn't we do the same for our kids? 
And that didn't make sense to me either. So they are eligible now to receive a filmmaker's grant. I'm interested to know what a filmmaker's grant is, mm-hmm. but I see what, what just my own personal interpretation here, but you're creating a movement and congratulations and, and thank you for people who feels that they don't have an equal footing in, in an industry where they should. Thank you. Well, you know, I, I have had an easier time getting into this industry than some other people. And I'm extremely aware of that. That doesn't mean though, that I'm excused or I'm excusing myself from helping other people who may have a harder time. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was drilled into me as a child growing up is just because I may have different advantages than other people doesn't mean that I'm any better or that I don't have a responsibility to help those that don't have the same advantage as I do. And, and so that was, was really important to my mom <laughs> that, that we, my brother and I embraced that, that viewpoint. But uh, to answer your question about the filmmakers grant, you typically have grants for filmmakers that are short films and they sort of range from $10,000 to several hundred thousand dollars, depending on what the grant is. And the grant that we created for these students is it's a $500,000 grant for them to make a feature film right out of the gate. And that's, that's really unprecedented. And it's not a lot of money to make a feature film, but they are supposed to take what they've learned from us (laughs) and knuckle down and buckle down and apply it and really inch along in the process. And they have access to all the people that they've learned from over the year of being an Iris in that they can call on to, to help them be resourceful and you know, when you make a film for a super tight budget like that, any film from there is going to be easier. Hmm. So, so the goal again, really is to prepare them for anything that they might face and, and really have a a bulletproof foundation, so to speak. Wow. I I wish I was in the film industry. (laughs) I'd love to participate, but um, I'm going to stick to podcasting and selling wine and liquor and beer. <laughs> you know what? That sounds like a good day to me. And cooking. Um, I like cooking. Yeah. My wife and I <laughs> like cooking. I <laughs> and we get our kids cooking too. They they're five and seven and they like to help in the kitchen. Oh yeah. That's the best. I have nieces and they're really little and they, they like, you know, pretending cookie dough is Play-Doh and just like messing around with it all the time. And it's, it's really fun to, to see that. It's fabulous. Mm. Erica, I've so enjoyed the time that we've gotten to spend together. Thank you for for doing this. This is wonderful. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Now, if people wanted to reach out to you and connect with you, what is the best way for them to do that? Honestly, the best way is on Instagram. I, I read my, I read most of my DMs and my handle is my name, Erica Oldie. So it's at E-R-I-K-A-O-L-D-E. And um, yeah, just send me a message and I'll get to it as soon as I possibly can. And I, I love hearing from people on the other side of anything that I do. So 
looking forward to connecting with more people in Jackson also. Well, this is certainly a way to get your word out and your message and, and what you're doing. So you might be, I can't say everybody's on Instagram who listens. I know one or two people here in town that listen pretty regularly. And I'd probably have to explain to them what Instagram is. <clears throat> Jim <O'Shea>. um, <clears throat> So, um, <laughs> but that's all right. Um, honestly, I have it on my phone, but I don't really know how to use it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I needed a lot of help at first too. Um, but yeah. And, and if anybody wants to reach me, that's not on Instagram, I can, um, I can give you an email after two to, to pop on if you want. Is there a connect with you on, on your website, old and new? Um, you can, uh, write in, um, okay. you can also subscribe to newsletters, mm-hmm. but I will, um, I will also give you an email just in case. Okay. Terrific. Thank you, Erica. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. It's been fabulous. Thank you. Have thank a wonderful you. day. You too. You too. Thank you. To learn more about Erica and her website, oldandnew.com, that's O-L-D-E and new.com, visit the jacksonholeconnection.com episode number 138. Thank you, everybody who helps keep this podcast going each week. All my regular listeners, Ed Freeze and Jim Ojay, thank you very much. My wife, Laura, my boys, Lewis and William, and my editor and marketing director, Michael Morey. I sure hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I really do look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of the Jackson Hole Connection.